Welcome to the Neurobiopsy Podcast. I'm Audrey. This is a podcast where you will learn one type of neurological disease per episode, and it will be in alphabetical order. I will talk about its history as well as the cause and mechanism, and end it with the key cell or tissue that has been extracted for today's podcast biopsy. We got to letter E today, guys! Let's go! And, um... Today, we're going to talk a little bit about encephalosalis, or in short, E, in this episode today. And this is yet another unfamiliar big word for most of us, I believe. Honestly, me too. I have not seen or heard this disorder before. Well, that's what makes today's episode interesting and fascinating. Let's get to it. Encephalosalis is a neural tube defect and, similar to Dandy Walker syndrome, is a congenital brain malformation characterized by protrusions covered with dura or membrane through openings in the skull. As always, let's begin the episode with the history of our disorder. There wasn't as much evidence showing who exactly discovered this condition, but the earliest medical report of encephalosalis we can find can be found way back in the 16th century as suggested in one paper. The defects often often result in a groove down the midline of the skull, back of the skull, or the area between forehead and nose. As such, encephalosalis usually presents as a nasal broadening or a mass near the nasal bridge. The location or area of the skin-covered mass near the skull midline may vary. As such, encephalosalis had different subtypes and cases. In another paper, the researchers reported that the first intranasal encephalosalis was recorded in 1813 by Richard, with seven additional reports following the first. However, all the reports reflected poor prognosis. Later in 1895, Fenger was the first to be able to treat the patient with intranasal encephalosalis with the surgery. The prognosis was also improved because they employed antibiotic therapy to prevent complications due to surgical repair. Encephalosalis is a rare brain disorder which occurs in 1 out of 10,000 live births with a predominance in females. The incidence will be even higher in developing countries. In addition, female patients seem to have occipital encephalosalis, while male patients are more likely to get anterior encephalosalis. Although the exact cause of encephalosalis still remains unknown, there is definitely a role played by genetic and environmental factors. But before we get to the multifactorial reasons, let's take a look at the origin of encephalosalis. One of the most widely accepted theories believed that the origin came from the incomplete separation of the surface ectoderm after closing the neurofolds during embryogenesis. This incomplete closure was suspected to cause a defect that is not skin covered. Furthermore, genetic factors such as patients with a family history of neurotube defects have a higher tendency of developing this disorder. CEP290 was found to be a gene that is associated with occipital encephalosalis, for example. In addition, infections may also act as an environmental factor that triggers the disorder, such as TORCH infections, toxoplasma, rubella, herpes simplex virus, etc. Okay, so now we discuss the ideology. I will go ahead and explain the existing studies about the mechanism. 
So we know there are two kinds of encephalocelis, anterior and posterior. The AE, or in short for anterior encephalocelis, is often near the nasal bridge, glabula, or medial orbit, while the PE can be above or below the torcula. The majority of PE cases are occipital encephalocelis. Researchers do not know the exact mechanism of the disease, but there are several theories that are proposed. One is our previously mentioned incomplete separation of ectoderm. As the two layers adhere, the mesoderm cannot form an adequate skull or, uh, and meninges. Moreover, others also suggested that AE may be caused by abnormal development of the foramen cecum, in which dura may project between the nasal and frontal bones at the foramen cecum. Symptoms of encephalocelis may vary based on the size and location and the brain tissues that protrude, but some common symptoms include ataxia, which is uncoordinated movement of voluntary muscles, hydrocephalus, which is accumulation of cerebrospinal fluid, microcephaly, basically super small head, and other vision problems, seizures, affected intelligence, etc. Following our tradition, I checked out this case where a patient had an occipital encephalocelis. The mother was doing her 20th week anatomy scan and found that her son had this disorder. The doctor told her that with this condition, her son would have a portion of the brain stuck out of the back of the skull covered with skin. There might only be a very small chance for him to survive, but the parents still decided to give birth. The doctors were able to perform a C-section and the baby came out screaming and breathing, exceeding expectations. After going through former surgeries, he was able to grow up to be a happy child. Surgeries are often the best treatment option for infants with encephalocelis to repair the tissues back into the skull and remove the sac. AE removal sometimes involves craniofacial reconstructions to correct the bone defects post-surgery. Although surgeries are open for most of the time, an endoscopic approach is applied when AE involves the ethmoid region. Furthermore, 60-70% to 70 of the patient cases may develop hydrocephalus, so a ventriculoperitoneal shunt must be performed. MRI is the common imaging technique which assesses the fetal brain and diagnoses the condition, and is usually applied to evaluate the malformations not seen in the ultrasound. In a nutshell, today we talked about Richer and Fenger with their findings about encephalocelis. Multiple factors contributing to the development of this disorder, as well as the common symptoms induced by encephalocelis. In today's episode, we examined the skull and the nasal bridge for our biopsy. That's all I have for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to rate the view and subscribe. You can find future episodes on Spotify. Thanks again for listening. Bye!